You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. This morning, uh, you can share with someone next to you if you don't have a Bible, or you can you know, flip out your phone and use your Bible app if you do that, or as always, I do have it on the PowerPoint for you. But our text today, uh, just a few verses, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. The text says this, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could teach and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples, and he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. But he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that it is uh, inerrant and infallible. We believe that, God, that you have authored it, that it's your words, it's God-breathed and God-inspired. And we pray, God, that you would minister these truths to us by the power of your spirit. God, that you would give us understanding to not only what you mean, but how it applies to our own lives. Would you anoint our time? Would you have your way with us? God, we pray that you would speak to to the innermost of our being, that we would be a people like these kids with childlike faith, that when we come before you, we have the faith to just trust you as our dad and our heavenly father. And so would you teach us on a really deep but practical level how to have this childlike faith? Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, throughout Jesus' ministry, his earthly ministry, uh, those three years at the end of his life where he walked around Israel, he did a handful of things, right? And we've been looking at that firsthand in the book of Mark. Uh, The book of Mark is like a fast action movie where, where right after another, one after another, we see Jesus doing these incredibly miraculous, powerful things, right? We see him performing Miracles, like healing every kind of sickness, healing every kind of disease. We see him casting out demons. And what he did a lot, if there was ever a moment to, right, if they ever stopped or they ever sat down on a hill or they were having a meal or there was an inside of a house, Jesus began to teach. He taught a lot. He instructed the crowds and the followers and those that were around him about who his heavenly father was. And not only that, but what he came to do and what it meant for all of them. Really what it meant for the entirety of humanity forever. I mean, it was that big of a deal. It was that profound what Jesus had to say. And his words, right, many of our Bibles are the the red letters, right? If you look at even Mark chapter 10 right now, it's filled with the words of Jesus and his teachings, Right, in these words that we've read and studied in the book of Mark or in the Gospels are what make up the foundation of our faith. The Old Testament, the entirety of it has pointed to this time. 
The entirety of it has pointed to Jesus, that the Son of God, that the Messiah would come, that one day God would send his Son to redeem the world. And we're seeing that firsthand, right? Thousands of years of prophecy and the Old Testament being written and the law being given, it's all pointed to these moments. And what the rest of the New Testament is, is really a commentary on what Jesus said. It's explaining and it's expounding upon what is happening right in front of our eyes. And when Jesus teaches through stories or parables or uses metaphors or sermons, they're of utmost importance. They're, they're literally the foundation of our faith and the things by which we, could, we should base our entire lives upon. They're no light thing. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And so when we hear the, the words of Jesus, if we believe them, if we're followers and disciples, and if you call yourself a Christian, which by definition means little Christ, you recognize and you respond to the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? If that's us, which the majority of here, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm expecting that that's us, right? That when Jesus speaks, like today, when he, when he uses an example of children to teach us a lesson, we, we ought to, we need to, we must listen. If we believe that it's true, if he's true and Christianity is true, as C.S. Lewis put it, it is of infinite importance. There is really nothing more important than Jesus' words, if we believe that. And so today in our text, I just want to set the scene real quick before we kind of dig in a little deeper, but this is what's happening. So people, right, again, are hearing about Jesus, hearing that he's amazing, he's doing all these wonderful things, and they're bringing their kids to meet him, and not just to meet him as a spectacle and as a celebrity, but they're wanting their kids to be blessed by Jesus. Or, or, be, or, or they're taking their kids to like dedicate them unto God. And Jesus is the one that they're taking them to. So these are people more than likely that believed that Jesus was who he said he was. The Messiah, the Son of God. And so people were bringing their kids to Jesus so that Jesus could bless them. And the disciples, once they see this, they actually respond by telling the parents and telling the crowds, like, get the kids out of here. Jesus is too busy for them. That's, that's what they do. People have brought kids to meet Jesus, and the disciples are being like Jesus' bodyguards, which they have had to do because the crowds have been so intense. But this time, they're hindering kids from coming to Jesus. And, and what that means, just, just by the fact that they're doing that, it shows the disciples are lacking, or are there... Are there they're seeing kids as lesser than adults. It shows a lack of importance or value to these kids. And what Jesus does is he, is he quickly responds, which was this righteous anger, and he rebukes them. He literally, his closest boys, he says, what are you doing? Stop, let them come to me. What are you doing sending them away? He, he wanted them to come. He wanted them to come to be with him so that he could bless them and so that he could show them 
the childlike faith these kids had. And so began to teach. He used this scenario as an opportunity, as a discipleship opportunity, to teach the crowds and the followers what was important. And Jesus does two main things here. One, he points out the amazing way that children have faith, the way in which they trust in God, their childlike faith. He points out that, that the way kids believe in God is amazing. But also, not only that, he uses them as a model example for the rest of us. Instead of despising and, and, and turning away, or as the disciples did, kind of sending them away, Jesus says, no, we ought to look to them to teach us what our faith should be like. And so the first thing is, is their, their, their childlike faith, this, this faith that children have in God. Context sake, it's, it's, it's important to understand that in many ancient cultures, children were really of no real use until they could be a functioning and contributing member of the family. That's just kind of how it went. The reason why you had a lot of kids, right, was to help with the work of the home or the fields if you were a farmer or to contribute to the family. And until you could contribute to the family, you were just kind of a nuisance or a bother. But once you became useful, wow, you're important now. But until that time, children were very much given a lesser value or of less importance. And so that's what was happening here. Even culturally, as really young kids, before they could contribute to the family, were seen as lesser and less important. So the disciples even, Christ's followers even said, no, 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 no. Jesus is an important guy. He doesn't have time for them. They can't really do anything for Jesus, so let's not let them in the house right now. But Jesus, what he does is he takes these children and he exalts them and he gives them tremendous value. He literally is like, I don't want to talk to any adults anymore. I'm done with them. Bring the kids to me. He welcomes them, he beckons them to himself, and he treats them very differently than the rest of society. Like, very differently. It wasn't just, you know, this thing where, like, they weren't kid people, right? The disciples just didn't have kids, and they weren't kid people, so they didn't know how to deal with kids, so they just sent them away. It was a cultural thing. It was a cultural truth that kids just weren't really that important until they could contribute, and so when we look at how Jesus treated kids to the rest of society, it's actually incredible. It's a stark contrast. One commentator said it this way. He said, one would have a difficult time finding in any ancient literature concern for children comparable to that shown of Jesus. It was unheard of what Jesus did in, in response to kids the way he treated kids and valued kids and looked after them compared to the rest of everything else. And even historically compared to ancient cultures, Jesus, it was, it was incomparable to what he did. So what that should do for us is perhaps change the way we see or treat children. Now, I know that many of us, as TJ joked, have kids. We're kids people. We got a ton of them, which we do. Kids' church right now is bumping. But a lot of the world today, you guys know this, does not love, care, and treat kids well. 
right? A lot of the world today treats children as little more than a commodity to be used and discarded, neglected, and abused. It's a thing. It's a real thing. It's horrible. It's horrific. And child abuse and neglect plagues Hawaii in a big way, in a huge way. There's a lot of it. But a lot of the world does not exalt, value, care for, and love children the way that Jesus does. And so in response to that, we as believers, as Christ's followers, we have to be different than the world. We have to be. We cannot follow the ways in the world of which the world treats children. Why? Because Jesus treated them different. And we as image bearers, right, to, we're, we're to bear the image of Jesus. We're to do as Jesus did, care about what God cares about. The well-being of kids is very near to the heart of God. Here is a few verses about it, but scripture screams of it. The father heart of God very much cares for the well-being of children, and so we should also. James chapter 1, verse 27, he describes what like pure religion would look like. Like how, how would be the most effective and best way to serve God? It says this. James 1:27. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Like kids, orphans, those kids that are in need, we are to care for them. It is of utmost importance, the well-being of kids in society. And even as a church, I'm excited to announce very shortly some local missions opportunities where we can be the hands and feet in Jesus. Um, there's some great organizations on island that that help care and deal with those that have been abused and been involved with sex trafficking and their rehabilitation and just the care and love after all that happens. And so um, there's a, uh, several of you guys are involved in these organizations and soon we're gonna announce that and a ways that we can be involved. But nonetheless, as the church, our heart should be God's heart when it comes to kids, our role. The way in which we see kids should be, my, my job as an adult is actually to love and lead kids to Christ. That, that's my role. When I, when I look at a kid, that's what I should see and that's what my goal should be when I'm around them. Whether you're a parent or an auntie or an uncle or just a functioning member of society, we should think of the way that God thinks of kids and we should practice those things. Again, the opposite of being a hindrance. We're to be the opposite of what the disciples did. Instead of keeping kids away from Jesus, we're to take kids to Jesus. And many of us, that's our own kids. That's our first and foremost calling. We've got a bunch of them. Most of us, a lot of us have kids. We've got multiples. That's how the church is going to grow, by the way. Just kids. Just have kids. Several of you are pregnant in this room just having kids. But our first and foremost job as parents is to bring our own kids to Jesus. What happens over there is secondary. We're, we're trying to help you care for your kids. It's not just drop your kids off once a week at kids' church and like, oh, I, I brought my kids to Jesus. Where it starts is in our house. 
That's where it starts. That's where it has to start. That's where, that's where majority of the time is. That's the most formative is your relationship with your kids when it comes to leading them to Jesus. First and foremost, it's being models to them. Loving Jesus yourself. Trust me, if you didn't already know, your kids are the most perceptive humans on the planet. They pick up on everything even from a really early age and they, they, uh, they know you really well. They pick up on everything. They remember things. And so the first and foremost thing we can do as parents in this room to to lead our kids to Jesus is to be a model of Christ to them. And then obviously we can do the things like read them the Bible, pray with them, teach them God's word, teach them principles, show them what it means to follow Jesus. All those things are a part of it. And it's so important because your kids, at least my kids, they're pretty young, got so many questions about life, right? And the older they get, the more questions they'll have. And you are the first and foremost person to lead them to Jesus, lead them to Jesus. That's why um, not only in our homes do we value it, but that's why like kids' church is so important to us. It's not just childcare. It's not just like drop your kid off and pick him up later, um, which that's what you do, but Our heart there is to give them Jesus. We value that time. We want to make the most of that time. We want to give our kids Jesus. And uh, we're constantly trying to refine and pray over and figure out how that would look. On that note, we need teachers. It's a big plug right now. We totally need more teachers. We need more people to love and care and lead your kids to Christ. And so please come see us. We'd love to have more of you. And um, instead of just thinking of, oh, doesn't that mean I just like miss church and like, oh, just, I don't know, I'm not a kid person. Remember that that is bringing kids to Jesus. Don't you want to be a part of that? Okay, I hope we get teachers from that. God bless every teacher that's in here and in there. You guys are awesome. Um, But back to our text. Jesus sees children. What he does here, he sees children as examples of how we must enter the kingdom with a childlike faith. What Jesus tells us is, is that we should learn from these children, from children, about the kingdom of God. And there's two ways he does that. There's kind of two main things that we can get out of this text right now when it comes to uh, what he teaches. One is that we should come to Jesus helpless and hopeful, as kids do, and we should come to Jesus trusting and dependent. What I mean by helpless and hopeful is when, when you think of kids, especially young kids, young kids are in need of most things done by someone else. They cannot do anything on their own. They need someone else to do or show them anything and everything. That's the point. They're babies and they're toddlers and then they're like a little bit older and everything they need help with. Right? They are helpless. Kids, young kids, are helpless apart from someone else. They are helpless. But also, kids are also hopeful that their parents or adults can fix everything. I'm helpless, but you can do everything. That's kind of what a young kid thinks. And even though this can bug sometimes as a parent, if you have kids, young kids, 
what's hard about being a parent is that they can't do anything on their own. I mean, everything you're having to deal with, kids are always asking you for something. My son Liam is two, my daughter Eva is five, and we are in the very years where they can't do much. We've lived it, that is our entire life. There's little people that need us for everything all the time and they can't do anything, we gotta teach them everything. Absolute exhaustion. Wonderful exhaustion, but, but they're just these little humans that cannot do anything on their own. If you're a parent here, you know what I'm talking about, but man, I mean, the whole diaper, wiping, everything. You, that's years. There's years of it, right? And then, you know, you have kid after kid, you're like, live in diapers for years. Parts of decades are lived in diaper land. Then, I mean, for me, it's Eva, I don't know when your kid learned how to, like, blow their own nose, but this is huge, guys. When your kid learns how to blow their own nose, we don't have to use, like, a syringe thing or, like, there's a lot of things as parents you do for your kids. But man, Eva just feels like recently or in the near, near, near past, learned how to like blow her nose herself. And she's excited and she's good at it. And so it's like when she's sick, she can do it herself. And man, that is like monumental that we don't have to do that for you anymore. Same as like getting out of diapers, but man, just blowing the nose thing has been amazing. <laughs> but when you have young kids, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, you're, I mean, there's babies in the back of the room right now. Like you don't understand what I'm talking about. You're tired right now because your kids didn't sleep last night. When you have young kids, they are so extremely helpless and they need us to do everything for them. And you know, my daughter's getting older so she doesn't know that she needs help a lot so she gets frustrated, but she eventually comes back to the place where she needs us. But that's exactly the type of posture that Jesus wants us to have with him, to be like, like helpless kids that come to him and said, I can't do anything, help me. Like, I cannot do anything without you. Help me, God. Because so often, we do not come to God in that way. We're like, we got it, God. We're good. We're old enough now. We can, we can run our own life. We can manage our own self. We don't need you anymore. That's what happens when your kids get older. Uh, I don't know that personally. I did do junior high and high school ministry for about 10 years, so I totally know teenagers. Don't really, I can't, I don't want to deal with that already. <laughs> Hard times. But nonetheless, when we come to God, instead of being like, like helpless, needy kids saying, God, I need you, instead we reluctantly try to do things on our own and, after, and, and on our own again and on our own again until we fail and then we come to God. But what Jesus is saying here, be like kids and come to Jesus when you're in need the first time. What we need to do is just come to him with our needs, empty-handed, surrendered, and asking. What's so neat about kids, though, is not only right, are they needy, but they're actually, what's so cool is our kids have actually, well, it depends how old your kids are, I guess, but my kids right now have so much faith that we can do anything for them because that's what's happened. Right, like if Eva needs something, she asks and we do it. And a lot of times they're very practical life things like grab that or help me or can you help me do that? But to them, they couldn't do it. She cannot at all ever do that. But she comes to, to, to me and my wife asking because she knows that we can do it. So she's hopeful 
that we can. She comes helpless, but she also comes hopeful to us. And so when we come to Jesus with a need, we should come knowing he's the one that can fix it. In the same way, my five-year-old daughter says, can I, can I do that or can I have that? It's real easy for me to give it to her. We should do the same with our Heavenly Father. When we come to him in need, we should expect him to answer us because he can. Right? We too need to come to Jesus helpless that we can't do it on our own, but full of faith knowing that he can do it. Our lives will be dramatically different if we did this. Our lifestyle would be dramatically different if we just came to God kind of helpless instead of, you know, ending up in ruin and then coming to God. Or trying and trying and trying and striving and striving and striving on our own strength and then finally giving up. If we just went to God as a kid and say, and say Dad, I need, I need you and I believe you can help me. If we did that first instead of last, our lives would be so different. The second thing we see in this text this morning, we see from childlike faith, is this idea of trusting and being dependent. You know, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is received and not earned, right? That's, that's most of scripture, that it's not by our own works that we're saved, it's by grace. By grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. The kingdom of God is received. And it's received like a little child, or it's not received at all. And what I mean by that is the example of children. See, they display their trust and absolute dependence on another person. Like, that's, that's how kids function. They, they, they trust in an adult to care for them. They live by it. Children live by faith and dependence on someone older. They don't have the, the words or the vocabulary to say that to their parents. I trust and depend on you for everything, mom and dad. But they do. By nature, children trust another person for their survival. They have to. Eva, my five-year-old daughter, has no doubt what she'll wear tomorrow. She has no doubt that there won't be food for her or the bills will be paid, or what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not even a thought for her, right? Because we provide that for her, and she just naturally trusts that it will be there. It's not an option. It's not a question. Life's not that complicated for her yet, and she doesn't worry about those things. By nature, she trusts and depends upon us as parents to do that, and because they're there, there's just no question. Why, why would they not be there? She fully trusts that we're going to do all that. She has no doubt, right? Children begin to doubt that when that, those things don't happen. But for us right now, in, in her little life and what's happened, there is no doubt she fully trusts that we're going to provide those things for her. And in the same way she does that, or other children do that, the same way... A child trusts and depends on their parents, we too should trust and depend upon the Lord. But do we? Oh, I, I would say we, we very much uh, are really good at worrying about 
what we're going to do tomorrow and what we're going to wear and what we're going to eat and how we're going to pay the bills. And the list goes on about what we worry about. We are very much consumed with these questions that my daughter doesn't even know about yet. And I get it. There's real, there's real you know, life does get complicated and there are those things, and these things are our responsibilities, but that doesn't mean that we have the ability now or the freedom to worry and stress out and not trust God anymore. What Jesus is reminding us is come back to a childlike faith to just simply trust and depends upon me to provide for you. That's what childlike faith looks like. Childlike faith looks like coming to God with a faith that trusts God just like a child trusts his father and he leaves all the problems up to dad. Not my problems. I'm not supposed to deal with that. I'm not supposed to worry about that. Jesus said this to us, adults, humanity, in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. He brings us this same idea again. He says, for this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put in it, or excuse me, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so closes the grass on the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly father knows, what you, what you need, uh, knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness for all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What Jesus is saying here is he's reminding us that we need to remember what it's like to have childlike faith. In the same way, right, that my daughter doesn't worry about these things, we too are not to worry, but to put our trust and dependence upon our Father who is in heaven. To become helpless, but to come hopeful. To be trusting, to be dependent. And what really gave me a, a dose of, uh, of soberness, so to speak, or reminded me in a very personal way was this week um, was cooking dinner on the grill with Eva. One of the things that she loves doing, which I love doing the most, is like being my little helper. Like we've got to do work outside or we've got to go like wash the car or like got to go make dinner on the grill. She'll come out and help and she like really likes it. And she's like, hey, dad, can I help you work right now? I want to work with you. I said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we're cooking on the grill, cooking burgers on the grill. And, you know, she's kind of asking about stuff. We're hanging out outside. And she says, dad, all, all the food comes from Jesus, right? And she's talking about all the food in the whole world. 
because we just had gone to the store and bought this stuff. She said, all the food comes from Jesus, right? And I'm like, yes, it absolutely does. And but then in my head, I, I was like, oh yeah, but the money, and then I, I just got this from the store, and then how did I get the money? Oh yeah, God gave me the money. And I, I, I was making it really complicated really quick. Because easily you could be like, well, yeah, he does, but we just bought it, and we had to go to the store, so it's kind of us and kind of him, but it's together. But she said, all the food comes from Jesus, right? I said, yes, it does. It was so simple, but it was so profound. It was, it was not complicated. It was full of faith and full of belief, because for her, it wasn't necessarily just that she had an innocence, but it, she just hadn't complicated life. She hadn't thought of the, the process to get the burger. She hadn't thought about the money that it took to buy the burger. She said, Jesus gave us all the food, right, Dad? I said, absolutely, yeah, that's totally right. Jesus gives us everything we have. And it reminded me, man, how much I've learned from my kids. Jesus was so right to give us the example of what faith should look like. And I think so many times we grow up and right, responsibility, uh, man, just life gets busier and it's more complicated and there's just more stuff going on and there's more relationships, right? And we all of a sudden have a really complicated life. And if I was gonna ask any of you, hey, tell me what parts of your life are simple, you would probably say nothing. <laughs> oh, but what about that? Well, no, that's complicated for this reason. Oh, what about that like relationship? I thought you guys were good. No, drama there. Oh, but like, what about your schedule? Tell me where you're free. No, I don't have any free time. We have really complicated lives. And so what happens is, is we've complicated our faith. Instead of like a child, it being really simple and really clear. And God is good and he's big and he'll give us everything. So let's play. That's all my daughter thinks about. We're good, right? Let's go play. In the same way, that's how God wants us to be. And I understand it's not that cut and dry. But in the same way in our hearts, God wants us to have the childlike faith that says, I trust you, I'm good. Yeah, it's complicated, but you're good and you can provide. So let's just, let's just be. Let's not worry. Let's not be anxious. Let's not fret. Let's not doubt. Let's not uh, live our own lives on our own strength. How often we say to our children, I can't wait till you grow up or you should grow up. But how often Jesus says to adults, you should act like kids. That's what Jesus says all the time. He never says, grow up, become more mature, more responsible. Those are, those are good principles. But Jesus, most of the time, says, stop it. Stop adulting. Be a kid. Be like that kid again. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for this wonderful reminder. Thank you that... In our church, we have lots and lots of kids to remind us of these truths. We thank you for every single one of our kids. We, we, we receive them as gifts. They are from you, God. Thank you, Lord, that we have lots of kids in our church and lots of kids in our homes to bring us back to the reminder of what our faith should look like when it comes to you. And so, God, would you do that in our lives? We want to come back to the place of it just being simple again with you. God, forgive us for complicating our relationship. 
Forgive us for, for doing it on our own strength, out of our own will, with our own timing, in our own way. God, we just repent to those things. We give you that. We surrender that. We want to come to you like our kids do, empty-handed, surrendered, helpless, in need, but knowing and trusting that you can do anything for us. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would do a deep work in our hearts, that you would change the way we have faith in you, that we would be dependent and we would trust in you and we'd be hopeful and we'd have faith in our heavenly father in the same way as a loving, as a kid with a, with a loving father. And so God, we pray that as we worship you now, that we would worship you for these good truths, that you are a good, good father, that you are a father that cares for us, that loves us unconditionally, that there's no shadow in your turning, that you are completely faithful and reliable and you won't let us down. You're perfect in every way. So God, we pray that we'd experience the Father's love right now and from that, that you would, you would change us and that you would stir in us, um, you would change us in the way that we treat and love kids and learn from kids. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, as always, as a way of response, we have communion up here to the right or to the left. And at any time during worship, um, on your own time, you can, you can come and take the bread and dip it in the juice as a way of remembering the cross and what Jesus did for us. Also, I just want to make sure you know there's freedom to worship, to stand up, to raise your hands, to come down to the carpets and kneel, to go in the back. Um, don't worship God how you want to worship the Lord. And then also, uh, there's going to be few people in the back that would love to pray for you for anything. You can go back there anytime too and ask for prayer. Um, but let's worship Jesus now.